1: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
0: Mentorship is extremely important. Uh, President Ronald Reagan said once that were freedom is only one generation away from extinction. One of his very famous quotes and I believe that's true for hunting as well and angling as well. If we do not pass that on and replace ourselves in the system, you know, then we're literally
2: just one generation away from extinction. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This week we've got a really special episode kicking off the series at the Hunt Fish Podcast Summit and we've got mr todd craighead making a return to the summit this year all the way down from oklahoma super excited to have todd on this week's show talking about all the stuff that's been going on with him the last few years and some incredible uh hunting stories coming up so um you do not want to miss this episode So stay tuned for Todd Craighead And all the great episodes that are going to be coming out in the next few weeks From the Summit We're really excited about releasing all these We've got a record-breaking over 50 episodes recorded Between the podcasters here um, at the Summit this year So super cool to be a part of this And uh, really look forward to bringing this So let's get right into this week's episode with Todd Craighead
1: This episode was recorded live at the 2023 Hunt Fish Podcast Summit. Podcasters and guests from across the country come together to talk about their passions for hunting, fishing, and conservation. This year's summit is brought to you by Waypoint TV, Ron Hoover Marine of Galveston, Spot Stalker Guide Service, the Wild Sheep Foundation, Galveston Fishing Company, Captain Experiences, and Badger Claw Outfitters.
2: Well, we are live at the third annual Hunt Fish Podcast Summit here at the beautiful Warren Ranch, and um, I'm really excited to be back recording podcasts, and with none other than my good friend, Todd Craighead. Hey. How are you doing? I am thrilled to be here. Man, (laughs) this is exciting. I'm so glad, and I called you earlier, well, I guess last year, I don't remember when it was, about about this thing, and I was like, man, you were at the first one. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, this thing's grown a lot over the last couple of years, and I'd love for you to come back and experience this ranch, for one thing. Right. And, and just and be part of the group again this year. And uh, um, it's been a pretty, pretty crazy day already. I don't know how many big fish we've caught here at the lake, at the lodge, <laughs> but um, you had a good one on. I, I had a couple of good bites. There were several five, six-plus plus fish pound fish caught already. So it's been pretty incredible. But um, I really want to talk to you you know kind of see um what's been going on with you the past couple of years and um yeah. you know I know there's a lot of a lot of new stuff going on up in Oklahoma and and um I know you've been working on a lot of cool projects but you you do so much other stuff you've had to <laughs> you know past hunting season and everything so so what's been going on in the wonderful world of Todd <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I I'm a approaching 28
0: years with the wildlife department and every time that uh, i think that i've seen and done it all then i get thrown a new curveball and uh, something new comes down the pipe but um, yeah uh still producing outdoor oklahoma the television show uh still hosting that and um man it's just it's just great i i I've been in Oklahoma nearly all my life, except for a short stint in Michigan, a short stint mm-hmm. in Colorado, and I just, I just absolutely love it. I know everybody's proud of where they come from, yeah. But Oklahoma, I just feel is just the more I travel, the more I realize just how special it is.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, it, it, even just when you think about the the outdoors and the wildlife. I live in Oklahoma City in the middle of the state, and I can go an hour in any direction and be in a totally different world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I love Texas, but you got to go 10 hours <laughs> to get in a different To get world. out of Houston. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to get across Houston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, feel, I feel the same way. You know, I'm from Oklahoma. It will always be my home. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been in Texas nearly 20 years now. Um, but I mean, I still consider Oklahoma my home. I love that state so much. And like you said, you know, growing up when I was going through school and I know you saying, you know, you realize how different the biodiversity is across the state mm-hmm. and just the ecoregions is all, I mean, we have pretty nearly every type of habitat you can think of from the desert to the swamps to oklahoma mountains to to everything
0: he used quote air quotes there for you yeah 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 so um
2: um but you know it's it's been really cool um seeing all the stuff that 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 you've been doing with the wildlife department and and putting out on outdoor oklahoma on the show and stuff um what's some of the the cool things that y'all have done in the last year uh,
0: I did a, um, a show the other, oh, a couple months ago, I guess, actually. And, um, you know, it, when you're working for the wildlife department, we get handed down these types of little, uh, um, uh, you know, agendas and uh, things that we're pushing, priorities, you know, mm-hmm. that we're pushing. And, and one of those, and it's probably no different in any part of the country, uh, every part of the country is probably dealing with trying to discover ways to include and entice more females into the outdoors as well as you know all kinds of diversity mm-hmm. whether it be ethnic groups or whatever and so uh, my boss handed me an assignment here oh, actually a year ago and said hey um uh i've got these some friends my husband's that uh they're hispanic and one squirrel hunts passionately and the other has never been And so how about you do like, I mean, it checked off like three or four things on our priority list, you know, (laughs) mentoring, (laughs) diversity, you know, kids, all these kind of things. And so here I showed up with these two dads and they each had a preteen son with them and we were going to go squirrel hunting. And typically you would think, oh, that's a no brainer. You know, it's a squirrel hunt. You know, how hard could it be? We did not see a single (laughs) freaking squirrel. I mean, we walked for uh just seemed like miles and dealt with some weather issues, but uh those guys just had a great time. They didn't even really know each other all that well. Huh. And so we all really kind of bonded through that through that day of chasing the non existent central Oklahoma squirrel. Very elusive. Who
2: knew? You didn't see Sasquatches though. <laughs> no, no. And we didn't see any monkeys either. Yeah. 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 So We've got some monkeys running loose in in Texas, I
0: know that, so... Oh, man, but anyway, I have uh, stayed in touch with those guys, and... Um one in particular, Al, has become a great friend of mine now, yeah. and um, I do a little bit of jeeping. I don't know if you've heard that or
2: not. Just a little.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so I... Um, What's I, your Jeep's name again? Stickers.
2: Stickers. Stickers the Jeep. I would never guess that after seeing your truck <laughs> um, or your Jeep,
0: so... It kind of named itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanted to name it something cool, you know, but no, it named itself Stickers. <laughs> uh, so... I. We uh, I took Al and his family jeeping last weekend in northeast oklahoma and it was a brand new experience for them they have a toyota uh, <laughs> tacoma and they took it on a few trails but when we got to some really hard stuff they jumped in yeah. and and the rest of our groups jeeps and and we really let them experience <laughs> jeeping <laughs> they got indoctrinated pretty quick but you know i could just tell already that that family we're going to be great friends you know and that's one of the absolute best fringe benefits of of doing the job that i'm blessed Mm -hmm. to do is is the people yeah and you know when you edit a show and y'all spend it's a 26 minute show and now we've paired our segments down to a segment might be eight to ten minutes Mm -hmm. but i'll spend a day or two in the field with those feet folks gathering the footage and then i'll spend you know um a week to two weeks sitting there editing that whole thing i feel like at the end of it that i know them intimately (laughs) you know know how they express you know say certain things certain way and their facial expressions and and i just feel like i really know them well and uh gosh that is just such a such a an honor really to be uh to, to be able to connect with so many different people over the years.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean, they know you from, from the show and, and watching on YouTube and in and Oklahoma on PBS and all this, but, you know, they, they probably feel the same way about you as well, you know, and I'm sure yeah. you get that a lot from talking to people. Sure. I
0: mean, after 28 years, I, um, I'll get messages pretty regularly. I got one a couple of days or maybe last week that said, hey, you don't know me. But I feel like I, I know you intimately. Cause I
2: think that's how my message to you started out. I think so
0: too, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so and who is this guy? Yeah. They say, you've been a part of our Sunday morning routine, you know, for, you know, and, and what really kills me though is when it's some guy that's married and has his own kids that says, I've been watching you since I was a little kid myself. And I'm like, well. <laughs> I've just seen another yeah. gray hair pop out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <bing! laughs> Uh, yeah, but, uh, no, that really is, it's been, it's, it's been a wonderful experience and a wonderful career and I'm not done yet, but it's just, uh, uh, the, the meeting of the people, uh, mm-hmm. is, is the highlight for sure.
2: Yeah. And I think that's just something, I mean, we've talked about before, but just the outdoors in general just brings that out mm-hmm. with everybody that's involved right. in it. Yeah. And uh, it's such a cool medium to be a part of, you know, in the whether you're hunting fish. I mean, you're always meeting people. And it's like one commonality between all of us. Right. You know, I mean, who doesn't like to go outside mm-hmm. and enjoy nature? And and it's been cool seeing what you've done. I know mentorship is such a big passion of yours. Yes. Um, and providing more, you know, with more people, you know, more in-depth um, introduction into the outdoor world whether it's hunting or whatever and, and um and that's something i've always looked up to you since, since we met you know your passion and drive to give back in that way well thank you i mean that's uh i really
0: feel like it's not just something that i should uh, that i try to do i feel that it's an obligation i mean i i've been kind of looking into it some there's a a um uh, kind of the authority the modern day authority on on the subject is uh Matt Dunphy with the Wildlife Management Institute and he's kind of done the all the leading research on you know what it takes to become a hunter and just you know kind of mentorship in general and really in a nutshell uh, I'm giving him a, a terrible injustice by watering this down so simply but in a nutshell he has shown that um, the one-time experience of going to a program, you know, a fishing clinic one evening, you know, or a hunter education class or yep. being taken by somebody to some event, one-time exposure really does n- nothing to ensure that that person is going to turn into, you know, XYZ, an angler or a hunter or whatever and what he's shown through, through hard science and research is that it takes the one-on-one connection that people have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spoke and gave a talk on mentorship here recently, and I asked this big big room, um, you know, raise your hand if, uh, if there is one person in your life you know that you can you give credit to for for turning you into a whatever outdoorsman mm-hmm. whatever your passion is and every single person in the room raised their hand you know and I said okay now keep your hands raised if you're related to that person and nearly everybody kept their hands up and so when I do visuals like that with big crowds it I think it's helpful for people to realize that wow yeah i mean it it's Mentorship is extremely important. Yep. Uh, President Ronald Reagan said once that we're, freedom is only one generation away from extinction. One of his very famous quotes. And I believe that's true for hunting as well and f- angling as well. That If we do not pass that on and replace ourselves in the system, you know, then we're l- literally just one generation away from extinction and so it becomes an obligation i feel it's it's a desperate obligation to to make certain that i'm not just replacing myself but i'm making up for all those others that won't <laughs> do it or or that and i get the reasons why that people don't commit themselves to um to mentoring someone taking someone under the wing you got limited resources you got limited time you know you've got limited opportunities to to do it to do it yourself you know you obviously love it so gosh you know deer season Oklahoma gun season 16 days that's spans over three weekends you know and if if you think that primarily most of your hunting happens on Saturday you got three really good chances to go deer hunting and i understand the sacrifice of giving one of those days up to take someone else out mm-hmm. um it's a it's a real issue but if we don't get serious about it and start doing that uh, as individual hunters and anglers then you know president ronald reagan's right we're just one one generation away from extinction.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know what the you know looking back since 2020 with this giant influx of people into mm-hmm. the outdoors um, world of fishing and hunting and hiking and, and camping, yeah. you know all all the different things you can do. Yeah, just because they were trying to get isolated, you know, mm-hmm. with their families and you stuff. You couldn't and, buy a bicycle at Walmart. No. <laughs> you know, it's like. If we don't continue to promote these sports in in a, in a good positive way, like those people are more than likely just going to go back by the wayside yeah. and, and fall back out, get back in their old
0: rut and routine.
2: And yeah. you know, it's like one of the things I always I've talked with a lot of people about is you know preaching to the choir. It's like you can't go out and tell everybody that's already doing what you're trying to get more people to do, hmm. and expect a change to happen. Yeah, You know, you've got to reach out to people that, like like you said, that don't have any experience and never had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> the only way it's going to grow. Like, it'll grow inside, but it's never going to get any bigger, you know. Right. And once those people die off and, and get out of it, and then then like you said, yeah. I mean, well, when, it, what's
0: going to happen? When Matt Dunphy's research shows that it's it requires a, a mentor to really l- make it stick for somebody, uh, then that means that, well, gosh, you've got to be pretty compatible with that person because you're looking at a long-term investment of time and energy into mm-hmm. that person. So, you know, you don't have to look very far, probably. No matter how close your circle is and how how many hunters and anglers are in your circle, there's someone on the fringe somewhere in your circle that you're compatible with that you could be comfortable spending a lot of time with that, that would be interested and would be willing to, to go. His research also shows that people that are interested in going but don't, the main reason is because somebody hasn't asked them. It's not because they don't know what to do or where to go. They're waiting for someone to ask them. Yep. You know. So it's that sad. Yeah. And but they don't know how to go about. It. It's not their. It's not their. Uh, job to go out and search and find somebody we as hunters should be doing that we as anglers should be doing that um it just takes a couple little questions and you find out real Mm -hmm. quick if they'd be interested in it you know and open to it and uh man i've had so many people that i've just kind of mentioned something to you know or told what i did last weekend or something like that Mm -hmm. and then man you just you pick up real quick that wow they would be very interested in going sometime you yeah. know
2: yeah i had um i took some guys out um i think it was last year year before fishing and there were six of them and five of them had never been on a boat before oh wow we
1: great. go out
2: and and you should have seen this crew <laughs> they they did not know what to expect i mean um some of them just came with nothing. Some of them had yeah. backpacks on, and, <laughs> and some of them wanted to wear a life jacket the entire time, and yeah. which is fine. And and, um, and we got out there. We went out to the jetties, and we started fishing, and I was showing them how to do this and, and, and do all this stuff. And it took them, some of them, quite a while before <laughs> they realized what they needed to do. But, man, after about two or three hours being on the water, I just seen... You know, you see the light bulb go off. Like, yeah. oh, this is how you catch these fish, and and um, they all started hooking up and just having such a great time and and um, and stuff. And I know, I know that um, some of them have went back out and and caught fish as well. Um, so it was cool seeing that, you know. Yeah. And, and I still get that every once in a while. You'll have somebody that's really never <laughs> been fishing or never been saltwater fishing or something like that. And right. of course, they just want to catch a shark. You know. <laughs> but which is which is fine it's cool and we catch a lot of them um but um you know i've never caught a shark well so. we talked earlier it's like we gotta you gotta come down this summer and uh and and get out on the boat with me so right um but yeah you know mentorship i mean i remember when i was growing up uh, my grandmother was the one who took me to most places you know as far as fishing i didn't hunt it all till i was like 23 yeah never really hunted it ever i um so it was all fishing um but um you know, <laughs> my grandmother was was my mentor in that. That's great. You know, and and my dad, you know, he would take me fishing and stuff. My parents both work, so I mean, and we had, we had brother and sisters, so mm-hmm. I mean, it was right. busy, you know, taking care of right. them and stuff. But, um, and we all kind of all three had our own little things we liked to do. You know, outdoors yeah. was just definitely mine and and stuff. But um, um, there was a lot of a lot of kids that I went to school with that, um, you know, didn't have anybody to to do that with. And so. they were just
0: you don't know how many we're just waiting for somebody to ask them.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so it's,
0: it's kind of like fishing. Yeah, <laughs> just you got to cast it out there. Yeah, quite a bit. You know, before you get a bite, sometimes. Yep. But there's people around every one of us that's an outdoorsman. There's people around
2: us um, that would would love to go. Mm-hmm. They're just waiting to be asked. Yeah, and it's not. You know, it's like when you take somebody hunting. I you was know, like, it's not about. The kill or anything like that like you could take somebody out and just go photographing do do photographs, Oh sure you know i mean you don't have to go out and go hunting to enjoy it um you know and, and the, i was talking i interviewed a guy from south africa uh two years ago and um i, I asked him about that he you know he hunts over there you think all oh, this big game hunting is like everybody's going on and just killing everything and <laughs> that's the, per- the perception from the public um and i said well, do you ever take people out just to do photography? And he's mm-hmm. like, "That's probably fifty percent of our business." Wow, I couldn't believe that. Wow, and he said that most, a lot of them just just want to come and and do that. You know, sure. And um, that that, I mean, that's I mean, capturing that. You know, I mean, that's my favorite thing. I love going out and just watching calling a turkey in and watching it do its thing and and um and for somebody or even if it's me i am i'm sitting there videoing the whole thing and uh, i had the craziest thing happen last spring i didn't get to hunt very much for turkeys but i'll say this real quick we were i was sitting in my blind and i haven't heard much action all morning and out of the corner of my eye i catch a turkey running through the woods and i seen another one and um um they come into the decoy, and it was yeah. two hens. Oh, two hens. Wow. And I'm like, what are they doing? They were like in a half strut. Really? Trough. They were half, postured, half puffed up <laughs> like a tom, no beard, and... They both came up to my... I've got it all on my video on my phone. I'll show it to you when we get done. And they came up and started destroying my decoy. Oh and one gosh. went into full strut. And these, really? these were hens. What? I have never seen this. I never <laughs> heard of it. Um, I couldn't believe it, but I'm glad I got it on on film. Um, but I was just like... You know, I almost went somewhere I was like, Man, if I was out of there, I would have never seen that. You know? Right, and, right. And, uh, um it was pretty cool. Pretty cool to see that. Um but you know there's so many cool things that happen in in the outdoors um that that i've got to witness and stuff and i know you've got a ton of stories like what's (laughs) what's like one of your craziest stories of what you've encountered while hunting you know you want me
0: to tell this story right yeah the turkey i know (laughs) <laughs> Just say it. Just say, tell this turkey story. Tell the turkey story. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so one of my best friends, uh, Brad Austin, and I uh, have done a lot of turkey hunting over the several, last several years. And he said, hey, he had this great idea of us doing a, um, uh, a one-day show, uh, film, every, all this. Well, I should back up. In Oklahoma, back when we did this a few years ago, you could shoot... Uh, three toms in the season, but some counties are two counties or two bird counties and some counties are one bird county. He said between the two of us, we had several different really good spots to hunt. He said, wouldn't it be wild if we um, went uh, on opening day and did a tour and each of us shot our three turkeys from three different counties uh, and limited out on opening day? And I, that was ludicrous at first. And then I realized, you know, it's quite possible with yeah. the connections and places we had. So we gave it a try. And um, on our first year that we tried this, we got four. Uh, each of us got one. And then we missed a double. We could have done it. Mm. We both had, we, I don't remember how many times. several Toms come in. And they got too close. And we missed it like 12 yards or something both of us and we would have done it we would have accomplished it and we didn't do it so we thought okay let's just save the footage and try it next year on opening day so next <laughs> year we started out on a place that uh, was originally his uh, and I think last few years I've hunted it more than he has um, but he's been busy with other stuff <laughs> yeah well so I had known how to hunt this particular group of birds and so uh, even though it was originally his place i was kind of the one that set us up uh on this opening day hunt and sure enough birds came in just like we wanted there were six or seven i don't know and um i don't know if you've done this before where you try to shoot on the count of three don't ever do that. it doesn't work it never <laughs> works it never works the <laughs> year before proved it because we could have <laughs> limited out I, so, I've started not doing that anymore, and we just flip a coin, or I decide it's the other person. They're going to shoot first, and then I'll <coughs> shoot after they shoot. So, um, the, I don't know why, but uh, we decided that I would we were going to shoot at the same time. That's what it was. And so, wow. six or seven birds came in, 20 yards, perfect, just like clockwork. I was um, videoing it self videoing uh, with you know with, with professional level you know camera and tripod mm-hmm. and all that not just on my phone and shooting so I I got it all set up and got those sh- the shot all framed up and gave him the gave him the clue or the signal boom we both shot my bird hit the dirt and the five or six other birds that were still there they all just stood there and Brad had totally full clean out missed. And so he he then, I'm like giving him the nod, like keep going, you got more shells. So boom, he shoots again, totally misses. Boom, shoots a third time, says, totally misses. And he goes, and we're sitting, we didn't sit, uh, just shoulder to shoulder like I kind of like to do when you're turkey hunting so you can Mm -hmm. whisper last minute instructions especially with a new hunter but we're both veteran turkey hunters so he was about six or eight feet away and he whispers I'm out of shells and I shoot a single shot shotgun but I had some in my pocket of my vest (laughs) so I grabbed a shell out of my out of my vest and just chunked it over to him and the birds are still there at 20 yards oh my just gosh. milling around and attacking my dead bird yep. you know how they'll do that and and we're just literally getting away with murder uh so then he he's using a shot a pump shotgun he opens it up drops this shell iron, closes it up raises up boom shoots and and down goes a bird and definitely hit it, but it went, it it took off, it got up and it took off running. So uh, we're trying to figure out what to do. Well, it's going to make it about 150 yards down to a tree line and be in this creek bottom and it'd be harder to recover. We were on a big, uh, just uh, cow pasture. And so, um, so he takes off running after that bird and he gets about 10 yards away from it and i got up i'm a little slower and and uh so i got up and i'm kind of uh running out there too but i didn't take the professional camera i just had my iphone in my hand because i he's just going down to pick this bird up you know i none of us would have ever have dreamed what unfolded as it turns out he he gets within about 10 He's now to like 10 feet of this bird, and it's down, but it's got its head up, and so it's definitely not dead, you know. It's still got some fight in it, and so he then makes a lunge for it and uh, misses, or it gets right out of his grip. I can't remember. Anyway, it takes off running in this probably 20-acre pasture and makes this great big half circle, and as I'm thinking about it and the trajectory of this bird he's going to run right by me well i didn't take my gun out either you know i'd already had one dead bird and so i was just going out there because he was recovering his and he thought the bird was dead until he gets up there 10 feet and realizes it's not so he didn't have his gun well this turkey comes running on an arc and a trajectory right for me and i'm filming i'm thinking dang what am i going to should i jump on it I try, but the last thing I could—the thing I thought of was, well, maybe I can just kick it. And I know that's not. Hopefully, Pete is not listening, but uh, I just—we needed to recover that bird and mm-hmm. put him down. Well, he came within just a couple feet of me, and I swing and miss, you know, on my kick. And the bird keeps on going on its arc, right back down to Brad, who's like seventy-five yards away from me, running right at him. And he, uh, before it gets to him, it takes off, uh, I can't remember the details, but anyway, at one point, it starts to fly, and, oh no, I know what it was, it ran by him once and he missed it again, but it went on a much shorter circle this time, only like 15 yards out, and I said, I just remember yelling, stay there, it's going to come back to you, <laughs> and the bird makes a second circle by him, and when it does this time, it starts to to fly and he reaches out and grabs that turkey by the neck in the air and wrestles that down and I would have never believed this if I hadn't seen it. And as quickly and as humanely possible we he dispatched that turkey, but as it turned out what had happened is that one pellet hit it in the eye on his right eye and he was running to the left because that's the only eye that was working so that's the only way that it knew to run and so it was just running in a circle and it all, it had been hit elsewhere on its body but the one pellet hit its eye and uh so after we he recovers that bird brings it up and we're taking our I don't know if we should call them hero shots because that that wasn't very heroic, but uh, once in a lifetime shots, I guess, you know. uh, And he says that, well, he was building a new house and he couldn't find his, his shells. And turkey hunters will know that every gun, you get comfortable and know how your gun patterns with a particular brand. And it's kind of like Ford or Chevy or Dodge guys. Mm-hmm. You're either a Federal, you're a Remington or whatever else, Apex or whatever is your ammo that you know works in your gun. Well, he couldn't find his shells, so he went to Walmart and bought the first box he could find, which, well, I don't know what it was, say Winchester. It was just different than what he'd ever shot yep. before. So he shot again uh, after we finished up with our photos and realized he was shooting about two and a half feet high. He had more shells in the truck. You know, he didn't have them in mm-hmm. his vest pocket when we were hunting. But when we got back to the truck, he got another one of his original shells shot. He was shooting two and a half feet high. And so he's really not that bad of a shot. But he he emptied all his ammo, and then I threw him a shell and and then lo and behold he catches that turkey by the by the hand out
2: of the air well, snags it first it sounds like that bird would be really good in NASCAR since he can only go left yeah, that's true <laughs> that's all he you knew we named him Dale you know maybe Dale KFC could sponsor him yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, oh man my. but yeah I mean, that, well that 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 right there just goes to show you how important it is to to test. You freaking oh, guns most of the time. But I've been in the same position. Yeah. Something comes up and just like, Oh man, it's like get to the deer lease late and it's like I'm uh-huh. gonna go out, you know, and and yep. uh, that's happened before. But but that that story is crazy. Like I've never even heard of anything like that <laughs> happening. And when you told you texted me or something and told me about that and then you posted that video I think on on social media somewhere or something, yeah. and uh, I was just like Like that would win like America's funniest home videos like y'all y'all could win like the grand prize or something. If it
0: didn't have to do with an animal losing its life, (laughs) you know, and it wasn't the most ethical thing. I mean, because uh, well, I shouldn't say that. It was it happened. We had no idea that that bird was still alive. Yeah, it was way down at the end of the field, laying down. So, you know, and my bird's dead and laying there, so I walk up to my bird and pick it up. That's where I was with my bird, and I was just waiting on him to go down there and recover his and bring it up, and then he gets a few feet away and realizes, oh, it's it's heads up. It's not dead. People slammed us, you know, on social media, so why didn't you just shoot it again? You just put it, you know, through a lot of unnecessary, you know, anguish, you know? Well... It was, it was a split decision we had to make. Would Brad have enough time to run all the way back up to where we had set up and grab a gun and then run back down with the chance of that bird, it was 15 yards from the tree line, you know. Mm-hmm. With the chance of it recovering enough that it could get up and run into the woods, and then we'd never recover it. Yep. So um, the, the thought was, well, just get it while I can get it, you know. Yep.
2: Wow yeah it's a uh, it's crazy i mean i've seen I've been on several deer hunts like i've 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 shot at a deer and watched it just go straight down like yeah. a sack of potatoes man yeah, and then like all right got it and then uh five ten minutes later, I look over and I see a head pop up oh you yeah. know, and I'm like, what in the world's going on yeah, and all I could see is the neck of this deer and the head it's <laughs> just like on a swivel just going back and forth, yeah. just looking all around like what's going on didn't didn't besides be being down the ground didn't appear to be hurt and i was like yeah man i had that thing right on the shoulder yeah and and then it laid its head back down (laughs) and then i called somebody to come help me so hey let's go recover this deer and uh we'll get down there deer's gone they are not even there. tough critters no blood and all we found was a little tuft of hair (laughs) and i had nicked it right in front of the brisket okay. and just shaved it and i guess i shocked the heck out of it
0: yeah scared it or something and it
2: just went down wow I, I don't know um but we never found it we never found any evidence that it was bleeding no no injury wow and um go back out the next the next evening that was in the morning go out in the evening i got a deer at like 50 yards i pulled the trigger and the deer just kind of looks around like Oh, no. Like, what What was that?
0: <laughs> oh, man.
2: And I was like, and I'm in the blind looking around going, what happened? Yeah. Why didn't it go <laughs> And around? I was like, uh, <laughs> and come find out, somebody had bumped my gun in the uh. cart, um, and it got off like three inches. Oh, and so I shot right over yep. the back of it. And um, anyway, yeah. wow. it's, you know, that's one of those things, I mean
0: well i had this was probably one of the most satisfying uh, memorable deer seasons for me, and I didn't even shoot a deer yeah and um i've I have a new relatively new coworker he's been with us three years now, but his name is Smokey what a cool name mm-hmm. you know oh uh, <laughs> but uh, uh Smokey, um came to us to work with wildlife department and had never big game hunted before yeah. And so I got the opportunity to take him out and show him the ropes and we shot an episode with him shooting his very first deer last or a year ago this last season. So, um then he wanted to up his game a little bit. Uh, actually at the prodding of his wife, she said, "Why don't you uh, have you ever thought about archery?" And he was like, can I buy a bow? (laughs) And she said, yeah, I think you should buy a bow. (laughs) So he gets a, you know, a top of the line Matthews, and he's going to get his first deer with a bow this year, you know. So we set up a uh, tree stand for him, a little five-gallon feeder and a trail cam for him in a perfect spot. And uh, sure enough, this year he got his first, his second deer ever and his first one with an archery equipment and i was in my box blind about 50 yards away in this creek bottom can't see each other because it's super thick in there but 50 yards away and it was really calm that night and i heard the schwack and then the i heard all this commotion and this deer runs straight to me and no joke (laughs) does a backflip and (laughs) dies like 10 yards right in front of my my blind and i just hollered out Smoky, I've got your deer over here. <laughs> Don't bother tracking it. <laughs> you know I know where it is. <laughs> and literally, it ran from his blind, his spot and where he was hunting a tree stand straight to oh, me man. and flipped up, side down, dead right in front of my eyes. Uh, and so that that was awesome. And then the other really big highlight is my daughter Emily, who just turned twenty four, or will be turning twenty four. No. Wait a minute, yeah, she's turning she's twenty four. Yep. <laughs> she will um, she came home for Christmas and wanted to deer hunt. She's taken a couple deer uh, in the past, hasn't been able to the last few years because she hadn't been able to come home to hunt. Well, we she wanted to use archery equipment. Well, I can't shoot a regular conventional bow, so I've got crossbows. Mm-hmm. So um, she shot a deer with her with nice. my crossbow this year and just smoked this doe and it it went down not in sight because it was it was her very last night in town she was going to fly out at five in the morning had to be at the airport at five in the morning and so this was our Isn't one and only always happens one and only chance to hunt we had like a two-hour window to hunt and uh ride at dusk uh still legal shooting light but just right at dusk this deer comes in a doe and and smokes it and but i'm you know cautiously not worried but uh, anxious because it didn't drop within sight I and mean, it's dark now I mean by the time we get out of the blind you know it's it's now pitch dark it was yeah. that close it was within like a minute of ending of legal shooting <laughs> hours and so we got to find this deer. And Emily's never shot one with archery equipment. And so her two other deer both just dropped in their tracks. And so she was worried that she missed. And I said, no, he didn't miss. Mm -hmm. But archery deer many times will will run, you know. And, um, you know, gosh, I was concerned that we would have a long night ahead of us. And then literally, can we get her to the airport by 5, you know, the next morning? So... So I'm a little bit slower going a little slower and she's a little more anxious and and she's never really had a blood trail a deer before. I'm looking for the crossbow bolt and what type of hair was was at the scene and wh- what type of blood, what color blood, thickness of it, that kind of stuff. Really overanalyzing the 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 kill site, the shot site, and I'm looking there with with uh, my flashlight and she goes, "Oh, it's over here." And sure enough, the thing only went like thirty yards, <laughs> oh my gosh, and she found it. I mean That's awesome. uh we knew what direction it went, but I don't like to get ahead of myself, you know yeah, and, um, and so I'm over there like soaking it all in, okay, what hair, how thick is the blood? where's you know all that, and where's the first sign of blood and she, oh, it's over here, I found it
2: <laughs> <laughs> i I remember um we were hunting in Okima, Oklahoma. Um, and I shot my first archery deer over there. And I mean, you know, you hear that black noise, you know, watching these guys on TV and what you were saying you heard when Smokey shot his. And, yeah. And uh, I remember putting it on this deer and it made that sound. And I was like, oh man, like you just, you know, it's, it's a good shot. Yeah. And this deer takes off and I, it runs across the field and then background out of my sight. And I could hear it running around and then I heard it crash. Oh, yeah. And I was like yes yes so he's down <laughs> and it's the same thing last night last hunt we were packing up in the morning at like five o'clock head back to texas Ugh. so and it was like probably the last five minutes of light say in that uh-huh. time frame and yeah. so i'm like okay i didn't waste too much time i, I got out of the blind pretty quick i heard it go down i called and one of the guys was coming down to help me and i start looking i go where i shot i couldn't find the arrow the grass was pretty tall behind it yeah never found the arrow to this day still never found it and uh but i found some blood and i started following it and i look i lost the blood trail looking looking for over an hour (laughs) can't find this deer and i was like i heard it go down yeah i'm walking around there's a big field and i heard it hit a tree is what it sounded like right Uh so that's what i'm thinking you know and i'm going around and the other guy's there and i mean it's like super dark but it's like nine o'clock yeah and uh we pretty much gave up. It was like two and a half hours looking, could not find this stupid deer, and we're walking back to truck. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just, just start walking across the middle of the field. And there was a persimmon tree that was about four feet tall and probably about as thick as my <laughs> pinky. And I just walked by it, and that stupid deer was laying right there next to that thing. Uh-oh. Like right in the, it was like two come up right next to him. And he was stuck in the middle of it. Oh, in the and I fork guess that's of what the... I heard. Oh, And I, my was, like, I, was, I was like, I was like, I sound like he hit a big tree or something, yeah. you know? So that's what I was keyed in on. and Yeah. And, uh, but I was so glad we, got, we found it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we were up till two, three o'clock in the morning oh, getting that man. thing processed and getting packed up and yeah. stuff. But, man, those are the memories that you do this for, you know? You know,
0: I won't say that that's what I live for is those harrowing moments of you know anxiousness or whatever it those really get your heart racing and and, and concerned and worried but those are the ones you never forget you know yep. and wow
2: probably yeah. the the best one i've ever had so far in my life happened this last year and uh, you know i mean i've been working with my daughter we've been trying to get her first year yep and I've talked about it on on another show here recently, but, I mean, it it couldn't have worked out any better Um, going to her grandmother's farm in Missouri. You know, I've got a blind I built for the kids over there because we're not there, and it's usually cold when we're there. So, um, you know, I I got that set up for them, and um, we seen a whole bunch of deer the first night, go back out the next morning, and really slow. I mean, we were oh, there for like no. an hour and a half and didn't see anything. And I was like, man, it's like perfect, perfect yeah. conditions. It's rut and yeah. these deer should be moving. And after about an hour and a half, I, I see like a little flicker in the grass and I glass in it and realize it's the ear of a deer. Ooh. And I'm like, yeah. cause you see the white just kind of flicker. Yeah. And I'm like, Hallie, it's like, there's, there's <laughs> a deer right here. It's like 30 yards in front of us. And, the, and it was a doe. And she finally stood up enough where we could see her, but she wouldn't give us a shot. Oh. just she was covered up in grass couldn't see her grass was really high and um she stood there in that area for like 30 minutes teasing us <laughs> and and hadley was getting pretty antsy and then and then she walked off and we never could get on her oh. she just stayed behind the brush and i was like it's almost nine o'clock now it's like usually about nine is like about the end of when mm-hmm. i see him in this typical area and so she walked off and like 45 minutes go by we ain't seen nothing and um probably about 15 minutes away from leaving to go back in and um we're spoiled up there because we can just walk back to the house and <laughs> yeah go watch tv whatever you know <laughs> and uh um i just i look up and i see this buck standing there <laughs> and it was this giant white tail i mean a freaking giant <laughs> white tail and i'm telling her and she sees it and so we get get the gun over there she's got it on her tripod she's trying to look and at the time this deer showed up the sun is just over the trees oh. and it is shining right into the front window what we're trying to look out oh. and she for the life of her cannot get it in scope oh man and i'm just like i'm doing everything i'm like standing up at this point with my hand over the front of the barrel trying to shade yeah. the the scope oh, and and got my hand other hand like over her head trying to you know block the sun oh, and she just she can't she can't see it, and I'm like, "Oh, no. oh man! What, what do I do? What do I do?" I mean, yeah. I, I was kind of getting freaked out because I was like, "This yeah. is probably the only opportunity we're gonna have." Yeah. And um, and the deer starts getting a little, little jittery, uh-huh. and he steps back in the trees, and oh. I'm like, oh. and and so we sit back down, and and I just grab my my grunt tube, and I call to him, and I blow the grunt, and it perked his interest back up, and he uh-huh. he came back, and I could see him right. And he starts walking over to the left. And at this point, she can't shoot him from there. I oh. said, Babe, what do you want me to do? And I was, all these thoughts are going through my head. And it's like, yeah. I'm going to tell this story, and people are going to be like, Well, you shot the deer because you, 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 <laughs> you wanted to shoot the big one and whatever. And she's like, Dad, I want, like, don't let him get away. Oh. And so I grabbed my gun, threw it out the window. He gave me about four feet when he because he started trotting at this time and he was getting out of there oh, no. and and i got a shot on him in that window and and he oh. ran back over and dropped back over where we've seen him the first time okay oh yeah so this all plays into the story <laughs> so we're looking i seen the butt go down right mm-hmm. i know it's i know it's down and uh man we're sitting there high-fiving hugging each other and and um and, and this and that and literally I'll, like, I'm giving her a hug and I look back out the window and exactly where that buck was standing before another buck showed up and was standing there oh, no. looking at the dead deer yeah. that we oh just shot God. and I was like I was like I was like, like turn back around yeah it's like get your, get your, get your gun get your gun yeah. and we get it on there and by this time like five <laughs> minutes had went by yeah the sun had come up just, just enough up. Oh. and she's wow. like I can see it, Daddy. I can see it. Oh, and I'm gosh. behind her, and I'm just like, I'm shaking. I'm literally <laughs> oh, like yeah. so nervous. And and I said, you, she couldn't see the body. And I've always preached, you know, shoot to the shoulder, whatever. Yes. Yeah. And I said, baby, you're not going to get a shoulder shot on this. I said, put it on the neck. Yeah. Put it right in the middle. I mean, it was yeah. right. It was hard tilt. They're all yeah. big. And I said, just get the crosshairs on it. And I said, when you get the crosshairs on it, safety off pull trigger yeah and she's like all right i got it right where you said dad and so i just reached over there i was like i'm gonna push your safety off Click. pushed it off and i said i'm i'm patting you on the back i said whenever you're <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And that deer i never seen what happened the deer just oh. disappeared oh no and i was like <laughs> i didn't see it run off Oh. Sure enough, she dropped it in its tracks. So I mean, it's it just, right next to the it, other it, one. It, it's like five feet from the other deer. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is and awesome! And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this gosh. is, and this all <laughs> transpired in like five minutes. You know, and <laughs> we've been hunting for this moment for like two plus years oh, yeah. you know for deer and wow. um had so many close calls and then we had like the most epic hunt together oh that's incredible and um she was so excited i remember just <laughs> when we went i could see the deer but i was letting her you know track it and you know I was right. like, well, it was i right. was like it's over by that bush so go see if you can find it and right man when she got down she just she got down there by that deer and you know, you never know how the kids are going to react to right. something like that. Right. But well, she just sat there and, like, I don't, you know, I don't know if she was, like, praying over the deer or, or what. But she was Shoking just taking it, it in. all in. Yeah. Yeah. And, wow. man, when we got back and got mom and her brother and we went over there and we drugged those. <laughs> these are Missouri deer. So yeah. they're, like, 200-pound deer. Oh, my god. It goodness. looked like we had cut a highway through the grass, dragging them back to the truck across <laughs> the field. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was a chore getting both those deer back over there, but man, she oh. was so excited. I got pictures of her just jumping up and down and oh, hooting and hollering awesome. and stuff. And Gosh, uh,
0: I hadn't got to hear the story. I knew, yeah, I knew the end result, but I hadn't heard the actual. It was story. So cool. Now, how old
2: is she now? She's she was eight. She just turned oh, nine last golly. month. So now it's um man. it's on to get her first turkey. So oh man, that um, is awesome. Gosh, but it's so cool. I mean, you know, like with your daughter, it's so cool to have. Yeah. A kid of your own to, to take out and enjoy that with because... You
0: know, Emily
2: missed the those years, though. I yeah. mean,
0: maybe at eight, she was still kind of going out a little with me, but she didn't have the patience or the real, real drive mm-hmm. or desire. She liked being out. Yeah. And the freedom of getting to be out and play around, but wasn't serious about the hunt. And it wasn't until she was, uh, I think she was 20 yep. or 19... And she's in college, and she says, "Hey, uh, don't fall over." But I think I want a deer hunt, and it's like, "Really? <laughs> Are you sure?" Says, "Yeah." And so, I and this was something that I have learned over the years with taking other people, whether they're kids or adults. And I said, "Okay, tell me why." Why do you want to deer hunt? Because I needed to know her motivation and what she was most interested in, so that I could tailor make her experience mm-hmm. to fit her her um you know, her anticipations of what she wants. And so I said, well, is it do you want just a big one? Do you want it? Is it just like a bucket list thing? I want to shoot a deer. Uh, is it you know, you want what what is your drive for this?" And she goes, well, Mostly, the motivation is that I want the meat. I want the venison to cook with. Yeah. And I thought, oh, great, because every deer's got venison inside it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter how big, how small, whatever. You know. And so, okay, that was a lot of pressure off me. Yeah. I was hoping she went, didn't want to say, well, I want a really big one to put on the wall like yours or something. And, yeah. Because that would be a lot of pressure. So, when she <laughs> said just to cook with, I thought, great stuff. Uh, if it's brown it's down, yep, you know? That's and right. so lo and behold, well, I have her I take her out and let her shoot all these different guns that I had. Different calibers and uh, my forty five caliber muzzle loader. That's what she liked the most was the muzzle loader. She liked the idea. Honestly, she won't admit it, but I think honestly it was because somehow it didn't quite have as much of a kick as, mm. you know, a 30-06 or a 270 muzzle or muzzle loaders are fun uh, to shoot. But I but I also think she was intrigued with, you know, how, you know, it's kind of like a little recipe, You yeah. build up your load by measuring out your powder and and uh, all that. And so she wanted to shoot with the muzzle loader even though it was guns rifle season. And sure enough, wouldn't you know, we had a close call on a really nice buck at about 50 yards and this muzzle loader I've shot elk with it I've shot dozens of deer with it it's my favorite guy I've shot my biggest white tail with it and it dry fired on her just popped the calf and my heart sank I was so sick to my stomach and crushed you know that that was her first time she was pulling the trigger on a deer and it was a weird fluke mm-hmm. you know and the deer ran off because of the cap you know but uh oh man i was crushed but she wasn't to be deterred and so the next weekend we went out same spot same place different deer but another buck comes out she literally because it's a muzzler, smokes it and and it, it does run off but just right into the woods a little ways she blood trails finds it wouldn't you know it, her first one is a big, giant nine-point. Of course. (laughs) Big old toad. But the thing was, that was an incredible bonding experience for both of us that we'll never forget our whole lives because it was just the two of us out there. You know, she's got this. She's she drew a, the short straw. And it's got this gimpy, you know, pretzel-shaped dad. You know, uh, that um, has my own set of problems, <laughs> issues. You know, physical issues, and uh, and she was um, and this deer goes into a dry creek bed. It's like ten feet banks on each side. It's dry, but it's straight up on each side. And she's like, I said, okay, I've got a sled. That's how I typically recover deer one of those jet sleds yeah i don't think they were intentionally marketed for deer hunting i think they were for duck hunting and ice fishermen but man i'd love i'm not endorsed by anybody but if i mean if i could be endorsed by jet sled i i have sold more jet sleds for them over the years than probably some of their sales reps but they're the greatest thing anyway We go back to the truck, we get the jet sled, we we roll this deer into it, and Emily's like, uh, you know, I'm 19, I'm in ROTC, I think I could, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can get this deer out of there. So she puts the waist, uh, the rope around her waist and like leans into it and goes like six inches and her eyes just popped out of her head like... (laughs) oh, my gosh, how are you and I going to get this deer out of here? And I said, honey, where there's a will, there's a way. We will get this sucker out of here, you know, if it's the last thing I do. And so we uh, relocated my truck. We had to drive all the way around the property out on the county road to get on the other side of this dry creek bed. And then I got every rope and thing out of my truck, Uh, tow ropes, uh, just regular old... I, I don't even know what all I had. Everything. You know? Everything. We just tied it end to end to end. And I had enough that I could, the, it could reach for my truck way down through the trees, down the creek bank, and to the bottom. We tie it on... And it was the most comical but yet the best experience because I'm driving the truck, and I told her, you've got to walk with it because there's not a straight line shot up there. Uh, we we had to wind around some trees and, you know, between trees. And I said, you walk with it, and when I get to a tree, when I pull it up to a tree, you've got to scoot it over, push it out of the way of the tree and kind of help thread it through, thread the needle up through the trees mm-hmm. as I'm driving. But, you know, I can't see you because you're way down the in the creek. So you've got to yell to me when to stop. And it's pitch black now. And uh, we got that thing out of there. And uh, then the two of us had to get this thing out of, uh, I mean, out from the jet sled into the back of the truck. And so I know my land intimately. And I said, okay, jump in. There's a ditch from it. Oh, there's no cattle, but it was an old cow trail, you know. I said, I'm going to drive past it and then back into it and it'll only be a foot or so up to right. the bumper. So we get it. It's it's just like a I mean a just wrestling a oiled down slick pig or something, you know. It's just so difficult. But we get it in this truck and um I got a bad back and just all kinds of problems, and I said, let's take it to, th- there's not check stations anymore in Oklahoma, but to the processor, they have a loading dock with a street light there and a hose, let's wait and then field dress it there, it'll be so much easier. <laughs> so we drive to Guthrie, Oklahoma, my good friends, the Salees, Pat and uh, Jane Salee, and it's long closed now. It's like ten o'clock at night, but right. we get this back up to the to the um, the loading dock, and there's lo and behold, there's no hose there anymore. <laughs> and, of course. And uh, so they do have a night drop-off walk-in cooler, but it hasn't been field dressed yet. So we've got to do it, Emily. You know, so I had a a case of water bottles, so we start field dressing this thing it was fairly warm um and uh not not the deer the weather and so i am i'm like a three-year-old at christmas dinner when i'm cleaning a deer it's just everywhere and all over me and so i eventually i am so just covered in stuff and she is kind of too you know i'm i'm coaching her but i'm also helping and uh We are just just nasty covered. Mm -hmm. We finally get this thing in. It was, I don't know what, if it was opening weekend or what, but the walk-in overnight cooler was stacked high with deer. We had to climb over carcasses of deer to get in there to pull her buck way up into the (laughs) piles. And it was like four deer high to get in there. That was a whole other ordeal, but we get the deer in there and I am not going to get my truck just covered in, in blood and everything. So I have extra clothes in the truck. I take off my hoodie, my shirt, everything, totally shirtless. And she's opening water bottles and then uh, squeezing them and squirting the water out to, so I can wash off and we left a nasty mess on the loading dock there and so we use up the rest of the bottles you know squeezing them and trying to kind of wash off the the deck the as evidence much, for when the yeah. police
2: come by to look
0: so i know these the salis are dear friends of mine go to church with them and i've known them for years and and so the next morning i call as soon as they open like eight o'clock and i say hey i just want i didn't get one of i didn't get Pat or Jane I got one of the other ladies that works there in the front um, office and I said hey I, I, there's a mess on the, back port, on the back loading dock and it's me I did it I'm, I'm coming clean and I'm confessing I did it and I want to tell you that I'm going to come later in, a, in an hour or so and I'm going to hose that all off and clean it off I am so sorry you know yes you had a new sign up that says do not clean your deer here But I got in a pickle, and I I didn't have a choice, you know, right then. And so uh, I said, I'm just, I'm really ashamed, embarrassed. And she goes, yes, uh, yes, we know it was you. uh, Because when we got in and saw the mess back there, we looked at the security camera footage. (laughs) And I said, oh, you've got it all then. Me stripping down to... topless you know and which is no one wants to see that and and the hosing off with the water bottles and yeah we all had a pretty good laugh. i i saw it first and called pat and jane in and said hey uh isn't this the guy we know and they go they looked at it on the screen and looked up closer and go yeah that's tall <laughs> Oh, my God. I could only be Todd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no mistaking me. And uh, so, um, yeah, that was, but, you know, that was still, that's, I still get worked up talking about it and excited because on the drive home that night, Emily was so pumped. She was so excited and had this such incredible feeling of accomplishment and, um, uh, resilience and uh, you know empowerment, you know all those mm-hmm. things that when you're faced with those types of, of what could potentially be insurmountable circumstances, and we rose to the occasion, and the two of us together yeah. did it. You know, I knew what to do, but didn't really have you know the the brute force strength. She, 19 years old, had the strength, but had no idea what to do. You know, and so. <laughs> she was like we make this incredible team what else can I shoot you know I want to hunt it all what do we have in Oklahoma and I said well you know we got deer we got turkeys yeah I want to shoot it all we, do we have bear yeah we have bear I want to shoot a bear you know and she was like crazy about it like you shot elk do we have elk and I said yeah, we have help. <laughs> it was like, I, and as the dad, the you know the li, the dollars, the license dollars, yeah. and processing and taxidermy fees are just like ching ching
2: ching ching. <laughs> yeah, adding I'm gonna have up. to work for another twenty yeah, years to pay all this
0: off. But I would do it in a heartbeat. You know, <laughs> I mean, if. And uh, so she's moved. She's graduated. She's moved to Savannah, Georgia, over a thousand miles away. Broke my heart, but she didn't care. You know, she's living her dream, and I couldn't be more proud of her. And uh, I know awesome, our hunting man. days are not over.
2: Yeah, you know, well, but uh, just getting started. Yeah, So yeah. <laughs> That's so cool, man. And. That- I mean that's what she'll remember more than anything was. Oh yeah. The after the hunt, like yeah. all that
0: transpired. Oh my goodness! From getting the deer out of the creek, you know that was in itself an adventure. Then getting it in the truck, then getting it to the processor, skinning it there, hosing me off because I'm just nasty, and I mean all that, and uh, yeah, and so I, of course, I had that that deer mounted for, her. and uh, so uh, it's just. Man, there is there is nothing like it when, whether it's your own kid, whether it's someone new, whether it's a coworker like Smokey, whatever it is, when you when you see it click in their eyes and yep. and you know that it is true heartfelt passion, you know they are truly excited, uh, and to know that you had a part in that, that is just the most humbling and gratifying feeling Mm -hmm. as a hunter to me you know i could never shoot another buck in my life as i would trade it if if i could just every year take a new person new somebody new that's just that is it for me really that's those are my trophies
2: you know my favorite thing is is like our mutual friend paul who's here yeah you know it's so it's been so cool to see how excited he's gotten since we met at this event uh-huh you know three years ago yeah and um there's been so many cool things that have come out of the podcast summit and seeing the relationships that have developed and and stuff and i mean we're sitting here right now watching all these guys um down here fly <laughs> at fishing least he's coming Captain up
0: with Scooby clothes TV. on this time yeah
2: well you'll probably hear a lot more about that story later <laughs> yeah I'll stay tuned
0: a, that's just a little teaser
2: <laughs> But, um, you know, I appreciate your support um, of this event and you coming back this year. Um, It's been really cool to to, to kind of see how this thing has just kind of grown, expanded, and and kind of the family that it started. And and, um, it's been pretty cool. I really... Well, Thank you for, am, for all that. So
0: I am I'm honored to be a part of it and I am I'm thrilled to be a guest again this year and uh, like you said, I mean I I knew that it was I had my one and done, you know, got to come the first year, but it it was hard to see the pictures and watch the pod, <laughs> listen to the podcast and the videos and all that because we just became so close, yeah. like you
2: said, we just became yeah.
0: a family, and so
2: and, and, thanks for having and, me back. Uh, man.
0: Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so,
2: and this just party's just getting started. I mean, this is the first time, That's right. so we got three more days, and uh, we're uh, getting ready to have some good food and stuff. But um, um, I'll thank you for coming on and being on the show again, and um. Well, let's uh, let's go see what other trouble we can get into tonight. I'm ready. All right, all right, Todd. (laughs) Good talking to you, buddy. You too. All right, all right, everybody. Well, that's it for this week's show. Really want to thank Todd for being on and uh, taking the time to come back down to Texas and hang out with us at the Podcast Summit. Always great to hang out with him. And uh, um, really, you know, if if you have not yet checked out, go and find us on youtube and instagram with the hunt fish podcast channels Um, you can stay up to date on all the information from the summit we'll be releasing content all through the next several months so a lot of cool stuff coming out we've got some incredible round tables we'll be releasing um, and along with all the individual podcasts with all the all the great guests that we had this year so appreciate you listening and we'll catch you on the next episode